Hi there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. All of us, you, me, everybody, we're living our lives subject to often invisible forces beyond our control. Culture, politics, economics, history, even the weather. They all have the power to shape our lives or tear them suddenly to pieces. My guest today, Fatih Akin, has first-hand experience of strong cultural crosswinds. Ethnically Turkish and raised in Germany, he has made many films dealing with sudden dislocation and how people respond to it. Akin won Best Screenplay at Cannes for The Edge of Heaven, and he's also justly celebrated for the intense drama Head On and for Crossing the Bridge, a documentary about the Istanbul music scene. His latest, In the Fade, will be released in the U.S. on December 27th. It was nominated for a Palme d'Or, and its star, Diane Kruger, won Best Actress at Cannes for her gripping performance in it. Welcome to Think Again, Fatih. Thank you very much. Let's let's start with the fact that in, you know, I've recently, I, I've watched many of your movies. I recently rewatched a few of them. And in a lot of them, terrible things are happening to people. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's <laughs> that true. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're like, like first, first of all, like, yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take it from there. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you want me to say? Should I say shit happens? You know, like, <laughs> you know it does, right? It yeah, does. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, like, it just, it seems to be a thing, like, that, that you're, that interests you is sort of, uh, or that just comes up again and again, is like people's lives being utterly devastated, you know? Right. Them losing everything that matters to them, or them not having anything to begin with, and then suddenly discovering something and then losing it, you know? Yeah. Writing or, or film drama uh, oftenly is, yeah, is based on terrible things. It's based on <laughs> right, drums, right, right, you know? Right, right. I mean, you could, I could, be like another, I don't know, director, another writer who would focus more on, I don't know, love stories, you know. Yeah, head on is a love story. Head arguably. on is a love story, but it's also dealing with life and death. Yes. You know. Suicide. And it was so suicide, somebody's getting hit to death, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Another, the girl is almost get uh, beat to death too, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sincerely not trying to come from a place which I think would, like, there's an American perspective, which is always very sort of, like, positive about yeah, everything. Yeah. I don't think I'm trying to, to, to push against that. I just, it's something I've observed. Like, people's, people in your movie, like, our you know, movies are, are really dealing with total devastation. Man, you're completely right, you know. You're, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And the, the fact is, you know, that I never thought about it. Hmm. You know, that, that's the fact. And so it's... Um, it's um, what you have observed, you know, <laughs> somehow shocked me myself. Right now. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for an explanation, like wh why, why it is like that. I mean, in my personal life, I, I, I'm not a very uh, dark person. You know what I mean? It's right, like right. I have kids and I have a wife and, you know, I have, I have was a dog. Your, was your childhood relatively normal? Was my it difficult? I was loved by my parents. You know, yeah, they yeah. were always kind of like good to me and protected me from trouble or tried to protect me from trouble and you know but I was always curious about trouble you know also on the street you know where in, so, in Germany so you were you were running or you were you were running out to look at it or you were getting involved in it or a little yeah, both yeah both yeah. you yeah. know uh, really both and that has something to do with curiosity 
Mm. You know, it's like uh, yeah. the shadows of the human being were always kind of like uh, fascinating me uh, since I'm a, since I'm a teenager. Maybe to understand, you know, uh, human beings. And you know, I come from. My parents are from Turkey, mm-hmm. you know, and Turkey can be, or could be, or still is, could be a violent place. Germany too. I mean, the Germans start. I don't know two world wars. They they really messed it up. Yeah, you know, they <laughs> Holocaust, all that stuff. You know, that comes from Germany. You right. know, yeah. So on the one hand, I have like my German background with violence in a way. Right. You know, um, the German Holocaust, you know, is 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 uh, something which is uh, in, in in German schools today. We deal with that three years in history lesson. Three years from, I don't know. Uh, it must be a particularly weird thing. I mean, I, I and having never having not spent much time in Germany and certainly not having grown up there, it must be a particularly weird thing. Like the way that that society has to both deal with. And maybe simultaneously repress that violence, right? Because, like, God forbid, it should happen again or anything like that, right? Right. <laughs> and so, what happens with that is like uh, uh, part of the trying to not talking about it, you know, of trying to forget it is like pull the finger on on others. Yeah, Turkey is a very violent place. What it is, what it is. You know, right, they, right. They had the Armenian genocide. You know, they have like uh, the war with the Kurdish. It's a very racist society, uh-huh. Turkey, you know. This racism is, is something in, in, in Turkey which comes on a strange, strange way with circles. It's mm-hmm. like the wind, you know. It's like mm-hmm. you have like waves, decades, right. waves where, at, uh, where they save people, rescue people. I mean, they let in a lot of people from Syria, you know. Right. You know, several millions from Syria now. But that also sort of politically works with the kind of Islamization of the country as well, right? I mean, like it, it, it fits, it sort of fits the agenda of the current government to. They take allow a benefit more out of it. Overtly they take a benefit yeah. out of it, sure. But I don't think, I, I don't want to believe that this is like the the only reason. Right, I mean, right, right, Turkey right. is a place, it was always like uh, uh, somehow the country uh, geographically was kind of like part of a road, of a bridge, you know, Silkway right. or, you know, so they used, since since centuries, they're used to that, that people come and go. Right. There is nothing a- like the Turkish, right? I mean, the Turkish are a tiny tribe from, from Mongolia. Right. Right, and... Turkish people, they don't look uh, Mongolian anymore. They're mixed with the people from the Balkan, with the Russians, with the Arabs, with the Iranians, with the Jews, right. you know, who went there, not in the Second World War, but who went there from Queen uh, Isabel from Spain in the 15th century. Right, right. You know? So yeah. it's a mixed up place. Yeah, I mean, you have... And then and then I, I've been there, and I it was absolutely staggering to me the first time I went. And I, I don't know, I guess... It's it's really interesting because you know as an outsider coming into that country like and going around with like my video camera many years ago I don't know what the first year I went to Turkey was maybe 2002 something like that but like going around that country and like just seeing all of these crossroads of history crossroads of culture you know I on the one hand, it's totally dazzling, and all I could do the whole time was be like, "Oh my God, you've got the Greek layer and the Persian layer and the all of these." You know. On the other hand, like, I guess it's also easy for an outsider to kind of romanticize that, like the way that people live 
there. Like it doesn't. It's not like people are all the time necessarily aware of all those crossing what um, influences or you know that I don't know that romantic sense of crossroads that I'm worried as a Westerner about treating it too exotically or something. Well, I mean. You know? It is a crossroad. It still is. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a war right now, and the war is uh, is on the on the border of Turkey, yeah, right? Yeah. But on the second, uh, on, on the on the other hand, you know, to to destroy the exotism, <laughs> you know, or the idea of exotism, is uh, is when it became too much, right? Too many, too confusing. What uh, what always was the uh, the dark, I don't know, reality of Turkish history was well, it was the mass killings, you know. They were the yeah. the mass killings of Abdul Hamid against the Armenians before the genocide. Okay, you know the, the so pre-genocide. Ottoman sultans. That was in the end of the uh, of the 1900s. Okay, you know, like 1895 kind of stuff. So you know, dying days of the Ottoman Empire. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and you know. The, we in Turkey, they were always good, even at the days of Ottoman Empire, to blame others. You know, so the 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 Ottoman Empire collapsed, and they needed somebody who is guilty, and they blame it on the Armenians. You know, so right. you know, and what they do today, you know, is like uh, they blame it on the Kurdish people, or they blame it on the American people. You know, although the Americans are not there, but uh, or Israel. I was just Israel, reading today right. that that you know our. Um, president of whom I am not a big fan uh, is is considering making some announcement about Jerusalem being the capital of Israel and Erdogan got up in the news and said if that happens we will cut off all diplomatic ties to yeah Israel. you know and he says stuff like this and then everybody uh, 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 <laughs> yells for him in Turkey you know and 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 signs for him and become a fan of him because uh, because he is a uh, He's showing that he's a god, good Muslim, but the reason why he's doing this, the real reason is he has really problems. You know, the, the Erdogan regime, they stole a lot of money. You know, you have this trial right going now, on yeah, right now in New York. Reza, Reza, uh, Reha Zaran, you know, Zarab, Zarab. Zarab, yeah. Zarab, you know. Yeah. And uh, Zarab is a very important uh, witness of the criminal activities of the Erdogan regime, you know. Making deals with Iran or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. There, there, there was sanctions against, embargo against Iran, you know, and uh, and uh, Turkey signed that embargo, but at the same time, they make deals with Iran. They, they right. bought oil and gas for gold, you know, but they had to hide these deals, you know. So yeah, yeah. to hide this amount of money, you know, you need the state helping you, you know. And if you need the state, you know, you have to corrupt it because nothing in life is for free. <laughs> right. You know, so the guy's shit hits the fan, you know, Erdogan, you know, and so he tried to sidetrack the people. That's why he's doing these uh, verbal attacks against Israel. That's so simple. Right, right, right. So you you're know. saying, I mean, that's really interesting. So you're saying that, like, yeah, like all of this cultural richness, all of these lines that cross Turkey, like from the past and the present and, you know, and then and all of the kind of ethnic and cultural diversity, yeah, ends up sometimes that that complexity leads to backlashes and, and governments yes. wanting simplicity and, and, and in extreme cases, genocide. and Yes, yeah. exactly. So there is a romantic side of it. There is a positive side of it, like in the multi-ethnical uh, world of Turkey, you know, where we all are part from, you know, like 
Um, my mother's family's roots somehow are from Crete Island. You know, my right. father's family's roots are going back to Egypt. You know, so um, yes, it, it is a mixed up place. And, and, your, and your film, Crossing the Bridge, your documentary, like did a really looks at the most beautiful side of that, which is music, what happens right. when, when musical influences cross. You know, that's, right. that's maybe the, the best place where we have that kind of cultural crossing. Right, and I mean, you see it also like here in New York, you know, you have like a lot of beautiful, I don't know, kids, you know, dark-haired or red-haired and uh, colorful with blue eyes, you know, because like, right. there's a lot of, uh, New York was always a place where, where people from all over the world came together and mixed each other, you know, yeah. and the mix is always beautiful, and also in Turkey it can be, but uh, you have to protect that beautiness, and you have to fight against the, the, the shadows of the against the shadows of beautiness, you know, and and if you if we go back to your first opening question, like, <laughs> you know, I think while we're talking, somehow we we touched the, the the reason for that because I care about the world I'm living in, and I yeah. so, I'm, I feel sorry for the world I'm living in. I try to protect the world I'm I'm living in, and I I uh, through my films I can express a lot of things which concern me, you know. That, that brings me, actually, to your new film, In the Fade, which is like, incredibly intense and beautiful. And you, I think I should give a little bit of background, or maybe you should. You know, first of all, there are a huge number of Turkish-German people, like that after World War II, is it? There were like Germany invited Turkish people in to come. Yeah, but help not just with Turkish people. It's reconstruction. Okay, not just Turks. But yeah, it was uh, in the 50s when um, Germany, after the Second World War, raised again as an economical power. Right. You know, the, uh, in Germany we call that, uh, there's a term for that called Wirtschaftswunder. It means uh, economical wonder. Okay. Right? And it so was. They had a boom. Like, there was yeah. a boom, yeah. and uh, suddenly there was. Uh, more work to do than employers uh, were there because uh, a lot of men were died uh, in the Second World War, you know. So right. you know that there was a there was a leak of 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 power, you know, of uh, of, of workers, you know. So mostly countries who were allied with Germany or neutral with Germany during the Second World War were kind of like invited, you know. Right. Um, there were a lot of people from Spain. And Italy, you know, this Italian guest workers, they, they called them guest workers or immigrants, um, if you want. The Italian immigrants were like the first. They came like in the 50s, okay. you know, followed by the Spanish and the Portuguese, you know. And and then the wave was like the Turkish. And after the Turkish, it was the, the former Yugoslavians. Gotcha. And so do those groups, like, have they essentially like self-segregated or been economically segregated within Germany? Like, are those communities separate physically, geographically? Like, is there a Turkish neighborhood and a... No. No. No, okay. not like it is here in the United States, uh, okay. the case. You know, that right. you have like... China know, Korea Korea town, yeah, Chinatown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Armenia. You, you don't have that okay. in, in, uh, in, in, in Germany. Even in a place like Berlin, where you have Kreuzberg, you know, mm. which is in the center, 
people call it like little Istanbul, but it's much more than that. It's a, it's a mix of Spanish and Italian and Portuguese gotcha. and, you know, it, it's a mix. Okay. But it, is it fair to say that like that economically speaking, those areas are like poorer than, than other areas and that there's econ there's ten social tension yes. between sort of mainstream Germany yes. and yeah. Yes. That's, that's the truth. Okay. That's the truth. I mean, um, and that's something that kind of, I feel like, I feel like that tension is very important to this film. Yeah, I mean, in a way. I mean, In the Fate is a very personal film. Yeah, okay. you know, it's uh, it's it's about um, neo-Nazi attacks on on immigrants. In this case, Kurdish immigrants in Germany, and uh, you know, this seemed to be a very up-to-date thing on the whole world. You know, uh, right. You know, I, I don't know, Charlottesville or neo-Nazis in France or Liga Nord in Italy, you know. This goes back until my childhood, you know. There were always stories from the early 80s on. Okay. There were always stories of skinheads, you know, neo-Nazis yeah, yeah. who have beaten Turkish immigrants to death, you know. Do you think it's gotten worse or it's the same, like statistically, like that the number, does it fluctuate, it goes up and down? Or? I have to say it's going worse. It's going worse because in the good old days, in the <laughs> 90s, you know, you could see the enemy. You see, you they could see, yeah, they shave their hair, <laughs> they have like these, I don't know, uh, boots on, you know, yeah. with the white um, laces, laces, right? And uh, the, the bomber jackets kind of stuff, you know. Today they look like ordinary people, you know. They uh, today they appear like uh, we have to protect the Jewish minority uh, in Germany from the Muslims. This is the way how they appear today, you know. It's uh, yeah. they're very much in the middle of the of the society today. I guess the message has somewhat evolved politically, as you're saying. Like it, they, they find there are sort of political modes of expression for the parties that support these kinds of folks, which talk in terms of economic protection and things that don't sound as bad as, like, let's kill all the foreigners, you know? Cultural. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, cultural protection. Cultural protection. You yeah. know, in these days of globalization, you and me, we can uh, live with that. We can handle globalization somehow because we're educated. And because we're educated, yeah. you know... And I don't mean sophisticated educated, but we have a certain education. And education is always a good tool to get rid of fear. Right. You see? And these people, although they appear like educated, you know, they, uh, they're not. Because if they were, they wouldn't have that much fear. Right. You see? And right, all sure. these racism is based on fear. I mean, I would have said until our recent election in America, I would have said, like... Well, American, what's nice about American culture is that we have a long, that we're founded on the idea of sort of, of diversity. We were founded, we were started by, I mean, the Puritans were not the most tolerant people in the world, but, the, but the, there was an idea of religious tolerance that began our country, right? And then waves of immigration. And I would have said that we were over, you know, we, we, like we were, as a nation, we were about absorbing difference and we were about diversity but then we learned that there are plenty of people in america who are not very who, who are perfectly happy to hold on to some strange myth about a white america or we have the yeah. same issues you know the, you, it's 
<laughs> it's it's a global issue. Yeah. And I think you that's because of globalization. You know, you yeah. have this problem in each European country. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have it also in poor countries or poorer countries, you know, like Hungary or, or, or Poland. And it's strange because these phenomenons, you know, racism, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, fears, they usually are based on economical crisis, right? Right. You, you know, I, I was driving through all America, I was, United States. I was driving with a car through Alabama, Missouri, Iowa, you name it. I was everywhere here. When was this? That was like in the 2000s, yeah, okay. you know. You did a big road trip. Yeah, I, I saw the whole country. And I was astonished how, how poor this country can be. I, I saw places in this country yeah. which were like, the, I don't know, the third world, man. You know, and, and I know exactly that this, this, uh, this frustration, you know, the, the, the most powerful, yeah. I don't know, supporters of white supremacy, they come from those poor areas. Sure. But funny enough, in Germany, Germany is one of the richest countries in the world. Right. You know? It's it's such an economical power, you know. It's so there's uh, not an economic argument for there is what's not going an argument. Yeah, no, yeah. it is not. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's why it's a cultural argument, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, and the, and they're right. And there's a notion we don't really have that here. We don't have this. Like, I mean, I guess some people do, and and certainly Donald Trump and the people who have supported him have kind of brought up this idea of like Americanness. But like, we don't we don't have that in the same way that. You know Germany or France or you know that those countries the have that identity. nation of what right. it means to be German. Yeah, yeah like, right, right, you know, right. That, that's a that's the, the, a different hang-up. The but. definition <laughs> of uh, of of blood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. Uh, yeah. we we thought we're over it, but we're not. Yeah, no, we're not. Yeah, yeah. So in the fade. Um, do you want to, like, I'm sure you do a better, you may be tired of it, but you do a better job probably of summarizing the film briefly for, for the audience than I would. You want to tell them what it's about? In the Fate is a thriller, an entertaining thriller. Right. You know, about a woman, you know, who is a mother and who is a wife, played by Diane, portrayed by Diane Kruger, and uh, by a bomb attack, she loses a child and husband. Yeah. You know, and it's about... It's a bomb attack done by neo-Nazis in Germany. Right. And uh, it's about how sh this woman goes on, how this woman struggles or deal with the biggest catastrophe what could happen to her life. So it's a portrayal of a leftover. You know, you, yeah. we have so many terror attacks, you know. It's uh, not, not just by uh, 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 racists. We have terror attacks done by Muslims all over, you know. The film tells you after a certain point, it doesn't matter you know, who did it? It's just like, right. it's the portrayal of, the, or the voice of those who are left over. Because we know very little about those who are left over, you know? That, that's what the film is about. And it's about a woman and her desperate fight to get justice. Yeah, I mean, you call it a thriller, and certainly there are thrilling elements in it. I have to sell it, the film, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's, it's, <laughs> there's elements of extreme tension, and it, it is a thriller on one level. But it's also like intensely psychological. Yes. What was it like for you working with Diane Kruger on on that? I'm sure I'm destroying her name. I don't know German. But like her performance was incredibly intense. Like how do you work with an actor? You know, for example, the scene when she's in that sort of shelter place after the bomb attack and she realizes that in fact her 
you know, husband and child are, are dead, she's told. How do you work on that, like, emotionally? I mean, as a director, what do you do? I don't do too much, I Okay, say, you know, or let's, let me put it this way. With Diane, I didn't have to do so much, you know. Diane, uh, you know, I mean, usually when a director talks about, I don't know, his actors, you know, they, it's, it's like uh, they're the best and it was so wonderful to work with her. Okay, I got that. But Diane was so prepared. She was so aware of what she was doing. You know, she really did her homework. You know, she was so prepared. And I was, I was astonished. I was fascinated by how fearless she was. You know, she, she had no fear of doing something embarrassing. Yeah. Or she, she, she tried everything out. And, and I just gave her a room or a space gotcha. to do whatever she felt uh, seems to be right. I knew the character. I knew the person I had written on paper, you yeah. know. A lot of the character's motivation or daily life or, uh, I don't know, uh, things on the surface I see from women, um, friends of my wife or even my wife, you know, like, like daily stuff, you know. So right. I, I knew the person, you know, but, uh, but Diane fulfilled it with so much life and so much soul and so much power that they're two sorts, they're two sort of films. You know, two categories okay. as a director. Okay. You know, for me as a director, this yeah, is what yeah. I experience. The one is that you have to direct every tiny little thing, every glimpse. Stan- every Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the one thing. And yeah. sometimes I have to do that if my actors are weaker or, you know. And sometimes something happens on the set where the film does its own thing. Gotcha. And it had nothing to do with the director anymore. Right. You know, suddenly the light, automatically the weather becomes better or it rains when it has to rain, you know, or a cat crossed the street because, I don't know, it made completely sense. And you, you cannot control that. Right. And if you are smart, you let it go, you know. And this, this was a film in the, in the second category, you know, like a lot of things happened by itself and, you know, and I Got just you. had to say action and cut, you know. Does some of that also have to do with experience? Like, I mean, as you get more experience as a director do you get better at knowing when to let things go you start to trust more your instinct right. that that's the positive thing about experience is that because of experience and because of certain things i i went through i realized that the working faster is better for me instead mm. of preparing stuff for years you know, like okay. if I have to do fast decisions, quick decisions, you know, where I am not able to think too long about them, you know. So, so, so I, I work then more with my instinct. And uh, that's uh, when I see the result, I, I think it made more sense to, to work with the instinct. So do you put yourself under that kind of deadline pressure now with like script writing and everything? Yes. Like where you're just like, yes. I have... How long does it take you to write like a script for a movie like this? Like, I mean, like I said, I since the '90s I wanted to do something like uh, in the fade, mm. but from the point on when I had the story right. as a sketch written in four or five lines on paper, right. from that moment on until the Cannes Film Festival, right. it was less than a year. That was somehow the fastest film I ever did. The writing gotcha. was I don't know four or five months. Preparing was five weeks, shooting was maybe seven weeks, and post-production was all together like three or four months. And here's, my, here's the last question before we get to the second part of the show, um, which is very different. Um, but I, I want to ask, and 
I don't know if this is a stupid question or not, but like when I think about different kinds of art that a person could make, filmmaking seems like the biggest pain in the butt. Like it seems like the hardest, most complicated, most expensive, you know, like com compared to writing a novel, compared yeah. to making music or whatever. Like how do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like as having been in it for so long, it seems like it's so much trouble. Like, it is. <laughs> it is, but it's also, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> okay. I love what I'm doing. Right, right, right. And once you, you love what you do, you, you don't really feel how you get exhausted. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. It's, uh, sure, it, it's, sure. it's sweet exhaustedness. You know, cries are always good, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, if a film goes too easy, it's, uh, it's, it cannot Something's be Something's wrong film. with it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and I don't know, it's um, different than music and uh, literature and all the art forms you, you mentioned is you work with other people. A, right, a right. film project is a collective thing, right. okay? The one, somebody has to be the captain, but you have a crew, you have a team, you have people who work for you, you know? You, you don't have to... So it's like super intense family yes. kind of thing for a while, and then... Right, yeah. right. So you're not alone. You are very alone, right. yes, of course, because in the end, you're in charge. when you fucked it up, <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's just your name and not the <laughs> name of the producer or the costume the designer. Gaffer or whatever. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, th that's the deal. You, you take the deal. I accept the deal. You know? Got it, got it. Cool. Well, that's perfect timing. That brings us to the second half of the show. And I already explained this to you, but I'm going to explain it to the audience. Our video team has chosen a couple of surprise clips from past interviews from Big Think's archives. Neither of us has seen them, but they're sort of surprise conversation starters. So this is Thupten Jinpa, who is an author and a translator. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he has been a translator for the Dalai Lama. And this is called What Tibet Can Teach the West About Self-Worth. So let's see where we go from here. We learned from a very early age to make our sense of self-worth conditional upon some kind of external criteria which can be judged by others. Because of this, self-compassion becomes a challenge because self-compassion requires a natural ability on your part to be able to deal with your failures as well as success with understanding, acceptance and kindness. The problem I see with the self-esteem movement particularly is that self-esteem movement again, you know, kind of plays into this tendency to make your sense of worth conditional upon what you achieve. Uh, and, and, and inevitably that involves comparison with others. And, and you know, and, and there's also a moral problem there because in order to boost your self-esteem, sometimes you need to put down others in your mind. Whereas self-compassion doesn't require any of that. What self-compassion is suggesting is that you should be able to do the same thing that you normally do to someone that you care towards yourself. And the beauty of that is that once you have that kind of ability to relate to your own situation, situation with kindness, it creates a kind of a reservoir of strength and resilience so that you have plenty to draw from. Because otherwise, if your compassion is always other-directed and you, you do not take care of the, your own needs and your own well-being, at some point, this kind of leads to compassion fatigue. And even in some cases, when the relationship does not work and when there is not enough recognition from coming from the, others, the recipient side, you might even feel betrayed 
and let down and used and ultimately even feeling bitterness. So having a greater you know, base of self-compassion really buffers against all of these potentially and negative consequences of being always too much other-focused. So what are your, what are you, what are your thoughts on uh, self-compassion, having watched that? I immediately thought about filmmaking, you know, like okay. how much what, uh, what the gentleman said has to do with filmmaking or not, you know, like, uh, like how others uh, judge your work, you know, yeah. how they criticize your work, you know, or how they celebrate your work, and uh, what does these things with your self-compassion. <laughs> right, right, you right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, so, um, so according to this gentleman, you know, I'm not in a very healthy uh, condition because it becomes, like, like you said, a, a fetish. Right. You know? So this is a struggle I have from time to time, which is not so often, I have to say, when you try to get aware of the filmmaking thing, you know, like, like right. being aware, be like, like separate yourself from the filmmaker. What is very difficult because I was born as a filmmaker somehow. I you see. Know? But I'm also like a family man. You know, I have the kids and, right, you know, right, right. Or I try, and you know, when you have kids, you try to be a good role model, right? Like for your, for your kids. And, yeah. uh, and, and they're looking at you not as a filmmaker, but as dad, you know, they, they want a person, you know, yes. I mean, they're going to look up to you that you're happy and successful in your career, but, but they, w they just want the person that's there most, right. you know, right. And so <laughs> this is a kind of like uh, a struggle inside of me. It's a, it's a battle inside of me. You know, I can, do you find that you're still that you're still very vulnerable to the changes in what critics might say from this film to that film? Look, I, I really taught myself or disciplined myself to not read them anymore. Uh -huh. What I don't do anymore, you know, it's very rarely, you know, just maybe a headline, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, first thing what I learned is like uh, everybody has an opinion, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, which is okay. <laughs> you know? right, right. My wife and I, we, uh, we watch a film and we have completely different opinions about the same film. Right. You know, and uh, it's not like she's right or I'm right. Sometimes something she says convinced me or vice versa, you know. Right. But, but because she is the person she is and I am the person I am, we have completely different opinion about, I don't know, Tony Atman by, <laughs> right. by Marin Ada, right? right? So, and this is the same with the critic, you know. So, I, for me now, it's like if I have a good review, it's like I found $20 on the street. Yeah. It's the same feeling. By random, I, okay. I found $20 on the street. And if I get a bad review, somebody ripped me off of $20. Right. You know, and, right, and right, this right. is actually it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think about that. I think about, you know, like, because other people's, like, when you and your wife are watching a movie or when, you know, or when somebody is critiquing your film, like, it's a very different thing to stand outside of somebody else's product and, like, kind of throw out your opinion about it. Like, that thing that thing is an object to you. It's a basically insignificant object in your life. Even if, even if you are, I mean, if you're a really good, serious critic, maybe you take it more seriously, but, yeah. but I'm, it's a very different thing to be on the inside and like own the thing than be like, oh, what's that? Oh yeah, someone said this movie's good. Let me see it. What do I think, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's offending, right? You know, somehow. And I mean, and what happened if, if somebody offends you on the street or in the yeah, traffic, yeah. you know? You you yell back or use the I don't know the uh, how you say it, the beep beep the yeah you honk yeah the, the honk right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know 
or I don't know, you, you get out and you have a discussion. Right, 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 right. You know, but here you don't have a discussion. You know, somebody's offending you. And you, and you, wrote you have it no opportunity it, she, to really and respond. And you have no opportunity yeah. to respond. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's why yeah. I, I, I learned to not take them too serious anymore. Because if you take them serious, if everybody criticizes you, right. you have to also take them serious if everybody writes positive. And both is not correct. Right. Then your whole motivation and everything has to be contingent on what other people are. Then it's exactly what, what the said. gentleman said. Yeah. You know, you, you're dependent on other people's opinion, you know. And so yeah, that's yeah. why I learned, you know, and this is not an arrogance or I don't need to read them anymore. Sure. It's just to just to become a better person, not to read them anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and I don't you can't really do your work. I mean, you can't. You, it's not sustainable if right. you're in that push pull forever. So I actually what I wanted to bring up was that like compassion is a very big thing in a couple of your films. There are a couple of very surprising and powerful moments both in in the fade and I think Edge of Heaven, right? Edge so, of Heaven is about compassion. So the whole it, thing, the whole concept is about compassion in, in the edge of heaven. Yeah, particularly like so I mean I I don't we can't describe the whole story but there's just a situation where a young woman is responsible for a mother for for another young woman's death and the mother utterly forgives her and that it's a very powerful moment and something similar almost happens in in the fade where the father of the person who has like blown up the who who has killed the the, the husband and and son expresses his deep compassion for the for the hero, for the, for the yeah hero who's left heroine. behind, heroine who's left behind. She's a little tough on him, but there, but it's, but it's still, it seemed like that's something. When I saw it in both of those films, I thought, ah, that says something about Fatiak and that 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 he wants to have those moments in there. It's, know? I mean, I'm an auteur, and and I definitely believe in humanity. You know, I I, I believe in or I see uh, violence. You yeah, know. Yeah. And I think, and maybe this is one of the concepts of my work, maybe, you know, it's like, uh, it is a violent world, but we can fight it, you know, we can, uh, we can overwhelm it with compassion. This is what yeah. I, you know, I sound like, a, I don't know, a psychological no, 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 college but, professor but that kind, kind of, of stuff. But that kind of compassion that's happening in those moments, that's, that's it, it, I know what you mean, but like, that doesn't sound soft. That's very difficult. That's that's mm -hmm. the hardest kind of compassion. I mm -hmm. mean, forgiving someone who has like, you know, wronged you in the worst possible way, or uh, showing compassion to someone and deep regret over your own son's behavior. You know, that mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not soft, silly psychology. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's deep shit. Like. Yeah, yeah and I mean. I don't know what I would do in both cases. I don't know if I, if I, if I don't know my kids uh, would uh, be killed. I don't know if I would take revenge. You know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. And I hope I will never ever come to the situation where I will find it out. I don't think anybody knows until they're in that situation. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. And very few really does it. I made some research about it, like taking revenge, like zero point three percent of of all these uh, leftovers do that you know who are they why do i do them even uh. mothers even not just male just also female people right you know and on the other hand you have 
the behavior of the father and in the faith mm. and the line he says during the courtroom to Diane's character. Yeah. This is a real line because this film is based on a real case, you know, and there is a real trial transcript and going on. And I have this from the transcript. He said this. He said her. this he line said, by line. I want to take a moment and express my deep regret and sorrow. And that, what my like, son did yeah, was yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. was evil, and uh, this pain will take forever. And I hope you could, you will find the justice you you want. This is what the real father said to one of the real leftovers. Yeah. Wow. And I was fascinated by him because same with the first question, you know, with the revenge. You know, it's like I don't know if I if I would ever be able to be as big or not but you know I, I I work with that that's my material I I, I go back to and I think I'll, I'll wrap it up on this that you know that wherever it comes from however it comes and as soft and psychological as it sounds like yeah compassion understanding that it's the only thing that can yeah and, and possibly fix uh, these these vast problems and the question is, how you drop a bomb of compassion onto like all of the world at once, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't have the. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the solution. But but movies look, help. Movies, movies help. help. Books help. Music help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, thinking help. Big think helps. <laughs> you know? uh, Hopefully, we're trying, trying to not be part of the problem. I think that. Optimistically speaking, yeah, yeah. you know, we as mankind, we still progress. This is part of our evolution, somehow. And we're I, we're getting, I, we're gonna, gonna we're, we get wiser sooner or later. One thing in our brain, and in, in any brain, you know, will be, I don't know, something will come up like, okay, this is another human being. This is my same species. Mm. You know, I cannot kill this person. And a lot of people, most right, of right. the people, are like, are there already? I think most. Yeah. Otherwise, our society would not function the way it functions. Right, we're not mostly society. murdering each other. No, no. mostly not. You yeah. know, so <laughs> most of us somehow reach that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, very un-Turkishly optimistic of you, actually. Well, I was born and raised <laughs> in Germany. Right, 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 right. You know, Fatih right, right, mean, right. <laughs> <You> know. yeah. <laughs> I've I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much. It was a very nice uh, conversation. I, I never experienced it. We don't have this in Germany. Not like that. It's, uh, Oh, that's that's so only that's, in America. Oh, well, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna brag, but I don't know that how much of this we have here either. So, okay. um, Fatih's <laughs> new film is is in the fade, and it's out December 27th in the U.S. Is that yes, right? Yes. And it's 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 very powerful, very beautiful, very moving, and it's also a thriller. Go see it. So. We have arrived at what will be the last episode of 2017. I'm going to be taking a few weeks off to read things by people who aren't necessarily alive and available to be guests on this show, something that I almost never have the time to do, and to free up the old wandering mind that neuroscientists say is the root of all creativity. Um, I wish you peaceful and happy holidays. Don't forget us. We're back January 13th with Peruvian-American author Daniel Alarcón. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>